Yo. And welcome back to the Reach Away Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Ringenberg. Today we have one of my closest friends and one of my first travel inspiration partners that really put me where I am today. We met in Yosemite National Park, and he was there for a lot of my like formative growing up with van life and adventure life stuff. He is currently... In Anchorage, Alaska, he has an amazing business called Vaga Jobs, which I kind of helped work on. And his van life journey and his life is amazing. It's It was so fun to talk to him. Dylan Mora, guys, whew, love this kid. Rids away. You! Let's go. What's up, Dylan? What's up? Do you want to give the list- yeah? Do you want to give the listeners a little background? Uh, who you are, what you do? Sure. Um, what's up? My name's Dylan. Uh, born and raised Long Island, New York. Uh, currently living out of my van up in Alaska for the past summer and going into this winter. And I work seasonally around the country slash world. And I own a business called Vaca Jobs, which is a online job board to find seasonal work in the hospitality, hospitality and tourism industry. Nice. Uh, what got you in the van in, in Alaska? Um, well, I came up for this summer to work um, in a small town called Seward. Just waiting tables. And uh, I drove my house up here. So that's how I made it up here right now. What gave you like the original idea to move into a van and like pursue the seasonal life? Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, perusing through Instagram in 2015, 2014, I'd say. Started to see the concept and liked it. I was very intrigued by it. Uh, seemed like right up my alley. Uh, when I started working seasonally, my, my first job was in Yellowstone National Park um, as an intern. I was working right in right inside uh, Canyon Village. It was probably the best experience of my life. Um, saw some people there living out of their vans and traveling. Uh, that's also where I got introduced to the seasonal world. Um, so all the people that I was working with in Yellowstone were telling me how they just hopped to a ski resort for the winter and then another national park next summer. And that whole uh, way of living and working really spoke to me. Um, So after Yellowstone, I had to go back to school for another semester, graduated from James Madison University, go Dukes. Um, And yeah, after, after another semester, I moved out to Yosemite, California, uh, Yosemite National Park, 
lived in the valley for a summer with you. That's where I met you. And uh, that's where I saw everybody and their mother living out of vans, including you. You had a van as well. I don't think I don't think you were full time in it yet. Uh, yeah, I think it was still like new to both of us. But yeah, I knew right away that that's something I wanted to aim for. So yeah, just put my put my resources into it one summer. Uh, built out like a super small basic van um and then i realized after the summer that it's something i really liked and put more resources into the van i'm in now which is my house and my little apartment on wheels i like to call it yeah yeah you were there for my van when it was like not actually built out or anything yeah (laughs) yeah it was empty empty little shell i remember it with a black diamond sticker on the back uh-huh. Yep, still there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just a little more upgraded than it used to be. But, uh, I think one time when we were, we met up in Salt Lake for something, I want to say I was on my way to Sun Valley to work for a winter, but I remember we met up at In-N-Out Burger and I was behind you in a turning lane. We didn't like, we we didn't meet up yet, but I recognized your van from multiple cars away just from that little sticker so get on you <laughs> yeah the van is a, a lot more recognizable these days i would say <laughs> yeah same with me considering there's a, a big logo on the side of my van now that says vaga jobs but uh yeah <laughs> hey i'm yep. just i'm taking off my sweatshirt real quick hold on one sec All right. cool getting warm up there in uh winter alaska eh? Ah, uh, not really, but in the van right now, yes, because I got my got my little backup heater working right now because my diesel heater uh, makes a little clicking noise, and I didn't want that to interrupt our conversation here. So I got my little Mister Buddy cranking, and it is very warm in here right now. Uh, we're looking at twenty one degrees outside and sixty one inside. Record snowfall in Anchorage, completely dumped on, but. We're chilling. I'm in a, I'm in t-shirts and shorts right now. So, cool in it. Nice, classic. Yeah, classic. <laughs> yeah, van life is a, it's a whole thing. And I mean, your setup is like the best it could possibly be, really. So, oh, I appreciate that. There's definitely, definitely some things I would uh, add to my next build. But yeah, no, I, I love my little setup. I got quite literally everything I need. Uh, the only only thing I really don't have is a, a wine cellar, which I think would be pretty cool in a van, but that's for the next build. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I gotta, gotta keep your cabs nice and nice, cool and dry place. So what better than a van wine cellar coming at you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, uh, okay. is your van, where's your van at? Is it, in Tahoe and it's it's in Tahoe, yeah. Nice. Cool. Getting ready for the winter. Hopefully it snows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well maybe uh maybe Alaska can send some your way because yeah, this week has been insane <laughs> and yeah, they uh Anchorage is a cool cool town, cool city. But they uh they do not like to cloud 
they don't like to plow the roads like they do in Colorado. So shout out to Colorado Department of Transportation. Y'all are y'all are on it. And I uh yeah, I, t- I took it for granted last winter. So yeah, yeah. I miss it. <laughs> yeah. I, I forget who I was talking to, but uh I think it was maybe Courtney. I don't know, but um they were saying that like Alaska a lot of it is like community based plowing, like um just like people just go out and plow it's not like a whole infrastructure thing which i found like really weird because doesn't it snow all the time in the last decade? i just i mean i i would assume i don't know maybe like the major city or the major <laughs> what there's two major cities here but uh maybe they have like the city involved but yeah i'm sure small towns yeah i'm sure it's communal and yeah definitely we're at uh driving around Anchorage to charge my batteries and saw so many plows of like private citizens, but no one plowing the road. So I think they wait till the graders come out at night to really get everything. But wild. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been wild. It's, it's, this is definitely going to be a test, uh, of everything. I think, <laughs> but, but last, last year living, uh, winter in Colorado, uh, that was winter number four. I think in the van. So we've been practicing for this for a couple of years. So we're going to crush it. Yeah. I mean, winter van life is like a whole other level. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's something it's, it's literally just, it's a constant battle. I mean, I'm constantly checking my battery levels. Oh yeah. And my whole thing's solar powered, uh, solar powered. And I don't know if you heard, but in Alaska, in the winter, the sun, uh, the sun's not crushing it like in the lower 48. So that's, that's a constant battle. I, uh, I have something installed in my van though. That's, uh, a DC to DC charger that charges the batteries when, uh, my car's on using the alternator. So that has been my, my lifesaver. So quite literally every day I got to do a couple laps around Anchorage in these terrible roads. Um, water is hard to find in Anchorage too in the winter. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's fun, but it's a, it's a test for sure. It's, it's not for everyone. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's character building. <laughs> character building for sure. Yeah, definitely. Have you, have you done a winter in the van? I have done four winters in a van, I think. Um, yeah, but like, Oh yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah that's desert, cheap. So. That's cheating, man. That doesn't count. Just kidding. I mean, I don't know. Moab gets pretty cold, so yeah. No, it's it's kind of weird how people don't think that, but yeah, no, I know Moab gets cold, and yeah, you were ripping up the uh, the LaSalle's, right? Doing some split boarding missions out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the cool thing about Moab is um, if you're a backcountry skier, like you got the LaSalle's and uh, a couple other like mountain ranges that nobody ever skis um, until you're you know you're skiing pal like all the time. Um, yeah like really really epic now and nobody's ever out there which is really nice yeah this this snow that we just got is i mean they talk about sierra cement but this is like i've never <laughs> i've never seen anything this wet and heavy and i'm i'm from new york where we get the wet snow too and this has just been straight up bricks falling down uh, so I'm, I'm anxious to see what it's like in the high country when I start splitboarding here in the next couple of weeks. 
Splitboard Alaska. Oh. Splitboard Alaska. Yeah, everyone's everyone's been getting after it from what I've seen. I see so many trucks with snowmobiles on the back. Uh, people on the pass uh, between here and Seward, um, skinning up, getting some turns in. So I'm ready to just find find a little crew that I can hopefully trust and meet because uh, I don't really know a lot of people up here. And if you don't know, you don't go, right? So I'm taking every precaution. I'm not, I, I don't need to die in an avalanche in Alaska this winter. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, need, no, thank you. you. Can't do that. Yeah, thanks, man. I, I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, going back, so you, you bought the first van and then you sold it and and then you built out your current one. What, what was the first like thing you were really excited to do like when you first got the van and like, what did you do? So yeah, so my <clears throat> the first van that I had was uh, a Ford Econoline. Um your stereotypical white van. Uh low top, so that, that means you can't stand up in it. Just your standard white cargo van. Um Yeah, well, I, I built it out super simply. Um <clears throat> No, wait, was there power? Yeah, there was power. There's a solar panel and like one AGM battery in the back, pretty much to just charge my phone and laptop. Um, had no like real electrical systems in there. I don't even think I had a light except like some battery, like puck lights that you just push on and off. Um, and yeah, the whole, <clears throat> the whole not standing up thing really got to me. Um, and it was in the summer. I was living up in Stanley, Idaho, in the Sawtooth Mountains. So it was super hot. Never, I mean, it gets chilly at night, but um, super basic setup. So going into my next build, the one thing that I needed was to stand up. There's nothing better than waking up in the morning and being able to stand up and stretch. Um, I found myself constantly, like, walking with my knees bent, crouched over, forgetting my phone in the front seat, turning around and it, it just got super annoying. Doing laundry, um, like on my knees on the on the hardwood floors in the van, plywood floors. Um so yeah, that that was like the main thing. And then just just make it an actual house, you know, put put everything quote unquote normal that you'd have in a house into the van. So um, I love to cook, so I wanted a two burner stove with an oven. So, so I put in a two burner stove and an oven that's propane powered. Um, I wanted uh, a lot of people say like public restrooms are easy to use, but uh, five years in the van, uh, one of the best purchases I made was my Nature's Head composting toilet. Literally has saved me multiple trips from going into random places to use the bathroom. I'm so good on that. I, I like, yeah, I like to live a little normally. So piss bottles are, are out for me. Emergencies maybe, but I, uh, I'm a little, I don't say I'm posh because I live in a car, but, uh, I'm, I still, I still like, I still like house stuff, I guess. Um, and yeah, that, being that I like to cook, I needed a fridge and a freezer. So I got myself a fridge and a freezer, a uh, 12 volt Dometic dual zone, uh, 75 liter fridge freezer. Pretty sick. It, it, I think it has about 50 pounds of 
halibut in my freezer section right now that I caught this summer between halibut and some sockeye. So yeah, I got fish for days, um, which is pretty cool that the whole thought process of that I could uh, pick which compartment I want to have my freezer. So right now it's the bigger compartment because I just finished summer. So I'm loaded up with fish. Um, but yeah, it, it's super good to have just like basic things that you'd have in a house. Just, uh, yeah, it makes it, makes it a little more sort of enjoyable. Yeah, I know. I mean, I lived in your van with you for like a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, wait, yeah, you, you were my roommate for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Great stuff. Great stuff. Love it. Um, so yeah. So where did you take it first? Like once you got it all set up and you were like, all right, ready to hit the road. Like, where did you go? Um, where did I, uh, where did I, oh, I went to you. I went to Moab. I think. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, you did. Yeah. Wait, I, I definitely went to Moab. Yeah. And met up with you. Trip? Yeah. Cause it just got done. Yeah, that was the first trip. It just got done. I drove to Moab and I was set to work at the Moab Brewery for that winter season. Yeah, because that was in October. Uh, but then, series of unfortunate events. My the the first day of work, my grandmother, who I love and miss dearly, uh, passed away. So I had to drive back to Boise and do the whole family thing and. Missed my opportunity for Moab. Um, But, man, since then, this van has been to, I think, all 50, except Hawaii, 49. Yeah. I've I've definitely, yeah, and this, I've been been to all 50 states, but this van has been to all 50 or 49 as well. Um, I mean, Alaska to Key West, Portland to L.A., I have lapped this thing and especially when i was um selling merch for the spring tour for for goose uh i was following the tour buses literally across the whole country it felt like just from the northeast to the south up to wisconsin across to idaho san fran so yeah it's it's been on some journeys for sure it's seen the country how did that feel to follow Goose? I know Goose is like your favorite band, and I, you know I'm a huge Goose fan as well. Yeah, uh, it was awesome. It was probably the single most coolest experience I've ever had in my life, and I feel like I've had some pretty cool experiences. So, yeah, my uh, one of my best friends, Navid, he is the merchandise manager for Goose. Um, and if you don't know who Goose is, check him out. Great band. Um, but yeah, so he works for Goose and. He needed uh, another seller for a uh, spring tour. So he offered me to sell the official merchandise with him from show to show. Um, and I just took my van and, and followed. And it was awesome. I mean, all access, backstage, everything. It was quite a cool rock star, Grateful Dead experience in the van. You know, it was, it was sweet. Yeah. For those that don't know, Goose is like a modern day Grateful Dead kind of band. They're like really good. And you should yeah. definitely listen to them. Yeah, I feel like it goes like Grateful Dead, then Fish, and now the next uh hot ticket is Goose. 
yeah, good, uh, good group of guys, awesome people, even better crew, just good people, man. And, and good music, good times. Yeah. If you're like kind of modern day, like seventies band following the dead. With, with yeah. The there. <laughs> oh man. That's cool. what it felt like. It was, and I, I mean, I, I loved the Grateful Dead and jam bands in general and that whole culture. So, I mean, uh, I'm kind of bummed I missed the sixties and seventies and that whole, that whole era and that, that lifestyle. So I, I feel like I, that was my little taste of what that experience, what that life was like back then, you know? And, uh, yeah, did not, not take any moment for granted, met such awesome people in the goose community. Uh, shout out all the rail crew. They're just cool people, cool people. And it's wild how, like how they, they follow goose as well. But like every show we're in another city or they're in another city. And like, it's cool seeing the same people and, uh, yeah, awesome community, great music, and a, a great experience for for band life and and traveling. Yeah, and you got? Did you get to see the show, or did you have to like work? Yeah, Navid would uh, Navid would let me take breaks once in a while. <laughs> Navid was the boss throughout it. You know, he's he's in charge. He's crushing it. Um, but yeah, no, we I got to see a lot of music and a lot of the show and when the line would die down we'd get to do a lap and either go chill side stage and watch them from 10 feet away or just go right up uh right into the crowd it, it, it was cool having all access is quite quite a feeling and uh quite a different point of view from uh from from being a, a fan to like to getting to that level with it was just awesome it was yeah it, it was cool One, once in a lifetime experience hopefully hopefully more more than once in a lifetime well yeah dude i can't even imagine like i don't even i mean i have lots of favorite bands but i can't even imagine like being that close to like one of your favorite bands that for that long and like being on the, the whole crew like yeah wow. yeah it was cool so my my friend Brian, uh, Brian Murphy, great photographer. He, um, after school, he after college at James Madison, he he went back up to Connecticut and started photography or doing photography for them. And they were still like a a no name band essentially. Um, and then we went to a music festival called Peach in two thousand and nineteen, and. I saw on the the schedule that Goose was playing and I told everyone I was like the people I was camping with, they're like, Oh, Hey, we should definitely check out Goose. They were playing 2 PM on like a side stage, uh, which is, which means like they're really not, they're not the main act, you know, they're, they're just someone trying to get their name out there. Uh, I told them, Hey, we're, we're definitely going to go check out this band. And right when I had said that we saw a group of like 20 people with these Goose socks walk into the show and we all just kind of looked at each other and felt like, okay, this is, this is a vibe. Like we should definitely go see what they're about. Um, it was a breakout show for them. Uh, really put them on the map. Uh, I'm so glad I was there for it, but yeah, that, that kind of just was the eruption of everything. That's where, um, 
yeah, some friends met each other and then started working for them. And it, it, yeah, it was, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky that I had some buddies working for them at, at first, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah. That's so wild. <laughs> yeah. I still like, I had to pinch myself the whole time. Just like what is going on, but yeah, great experience. Can't wait to, can't wait to follow him in the van again. Bummed out. I miss Red Rocks, but it's all good. There, there will be more shows. They're actually they're in Europe right now. They're doing Europe tour, <laughs> crushing it. Yeah, so that must be cool to make it. it. Must be cool to make it like that, you know? Like, Dude, yeah. I mean, they're <laughs> they're yeah they're killing it. It's, I can only imagine what the feeling is like for them. Yeah. So, so what do what do you usually do for work? Um. So two things so like my i mean i have my business and then what i do like how i travel and make money um and how i tell other people to do is i i work seasonally around the country uh so what that means is every place that you have vacations um there is a seasonal industry behind every restaurant you go to every hotel you stay at every whitewater rafting outfitter that you hire every every guide that you hire to take you into the backcountry every everybody on the mountain at the ski hill you know odds are i mean that that's the seasonal job so it means during the busy time they hire an influx of people to meet the demand um i've been working in restaurants since i was 15 16 something like that so God damn, it's like 14 years. That sounds so crazy. But yeah, I've been in restaurants like my whole life. Um, I love restaurants. The energy is just unmatched. Um, so I wait tables around the country. Um, started, I guess my, my first start was Yellowstone, where I was just an intern. Uh, Yosemite, I was a cook. And then when I got to Sun Valley, I started as a busser. Um, that's what I applied for. That's what I got hired for. Uh, try, try taking your first job post-grad and you're a busboy. That, that's not a great feeling. But cool part was my first day of work, I walk into Sun Valley uh, River Run Lodge right there at the base of the gondola. And my manager, Curtis, asked me, I just met him. I walked in for my first day. Um, to check in. I don't, I don't, I wasn't even going for work. I still haven't gotten my room key. And he goes, Hey man, like saw your resume. You've worked in restaurants before. Do you want to work on top of the mountain at the fine dining restaurant? And I say, yeah, like, I don't even, I don't even know what it is, where it is, what it looks like, what the menu is, but I get to take a gondola to work every day. Sign me up. So it was, it was actually like one of the a blessing to me because it's, it's changed my, besides the business changed my career path. Uh, to get in at a fine dining restaurant is one thing. And then after my first season, by the time the season was ending, I was, I was serving fine dining tables. So I was opening $800 bottles of wine. I was serving $300 worth of fondue at a time to people. And man, what an experience. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome time. Uh, so I learned, uh, one, how to wait tables, but also, uh, get into that fine dining realm where I could, make some serious, serious cash and meet some, meet some cool people that, uh, have networks, you know, and net worths. That's for sure. 
Yeah, Sun Valley is uh, kind of known for being a very rich place. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> to take it Yeah, away. yeah. Oh, super. I mean, I waited on Tom Hanks' wife, Rita Wilson. She's super nice. Uh, Arnold and Clint Eastwood Wood are always around Sun Valley. I uh, waited on uh, Sylvester Stallone one night. Meg Ryan had an awards dinner there. Um yeah, it was, it was cool. Quite an experience. Met some really awesome people. Gave Reese Witherspoon a fist bump. That was pretty cool. One of the highlights. That's wild that you just walked into that. <laughs> yeah, actually, so I was, cool. so I was like, yeah, and especially the Reese, I was, uh, I was just a buster then, but yeah, she was eating lunch with her family, skiing, um, and she called me over and she asked me for a spoon and I'm like, this is insane. Like Reese Witherspoon just asked me for a spoon. So I got her a soup spoon cause she had ate chili. I'll never forget it. And then when she was walking out, she was just getting bombarded by people like trying to take photos, this and that. And I was kind of by the door uh, where like I'm the last person that you kind of see when you leave. And I just threw it out there. I said, this is Witherspoon. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a photo, but I just get a quick fist bump. She said, oh, yeah. That was cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no no photos. That's kind of not allowed. And, yeah, you don't want to do that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's got to suck to be a celebrity, right? Like, people are probably always asking, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's pros and cons. Yeah, I mean, I think Sun Valley is, like, pretty much where all of the uh, celebrities and, and whatnot, at least, like, one of the places. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of built for that. Um, Ernest Hemingway was uh, a big part of it in the start too, and or a big name in the area, and the whole—not <clears throat> uh, the whole thing, but a major part of it was to have a train from L.A. all the way up to Sun Valley, so to get this this Hollywood clientele for an escape into the mountains of Idaho, and. Uh, Yes, yeah, some some things definitely reflect that. Uh, the Sun Valley Lodge has hundreds of photos of all the celebrities that have passed through, either living in Sun Valley, have a summer or winter house in Sun Valley, or just ate dinner there on a vacation. So history is really cool. It's a cool town, great people. It's a it's a place I always say like one the the mountain is sick. It's super steep. Uh, when it dumps, the snow is awesome. Uh, Warren Miller says it's his favorite mountain, so that that goes a long way in my book. If you don't know who Warren Miller is, you're not uh, you don't like to ski or snow, snowboard. Um, <laughs> yeah, Warren Miller, legendary uh, ski filmmaker and badass all around. Um, but yeah, it's a great mountain, and yeah, so I, I always say that you can be at the the casinos, the local, the dive bar there, and you can be drinking a cheap beer have a a billionaire to your left and a kid that's living out of his van to your right. And you're all drinking a cheap beer and you're all talking about the mountain and there's no, uh, you know, we're we're all, we're all equal at that point. There's definitely some people that are not like that and definitely flaunt their money, but, uh, it's a cool vibe for like the old ski heads that are there. (laughs) Dude, best potato I've ever had. Did we get that? Did we? You went, yeah, dude. I, yeah, the uh, the old gym spot at the Pioneer. Yeah, 
if any of you ever go to Sun Valley, you go to the Pioneer Saloon right on Main Street, and you get a gym spud. It's the best deal for food in the whole valley. It's like 16 bucks. I think they might have raised it by now. It used to come with a salad, which was badass. But it's this the world. It, it has to be the world's largest baked potato with all the fixings. You know, like sour cream, cheese, little bacon bits, little green onions. But then they slice a whole bunch of prime rib on the top. Ugh! Like, come on, man. Come on, for like twenty less than twenty bucks. With a beer, 25 bucks. With two beers, 50 bucks. But awesome. <laughs> Dude, you know, still remember it. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty bomb. Staple of my diet when I'm in Ketchum, for sure. Dude, I've been on the potato game lately a lot. <laughs> it's same. I've, uh, I've been experimenting with, with hash browns. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make just good hash browns. So, you know, I'm cutting them shredding those russets in the morning i'm soaking them i'm drying them got my butter i'm covering them but waffle house just does something different man i damn i love waffle house Oof. okay so i'm about food <laughs> smothered covered dice cap pepper just want to throw that out there <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> all right um so what was like the, I guess, what was the longest trip you've ever done, like continuously without having to work? Um, like while on a road trip, probably uh, leaving Alaska with you. Um, we left Alaska, drove down through BC. I dropped you off in Boise. I kind of kicked it in Boise for a little bit. You went down to Salt Lake, and then I I drove east for the winter. I went to Colorado for a little bit, hung out with some homies, and then, yeah, I was going to work in Winter Park, actually. And I said, if they don't call me by today, I'm driving east, and I'm going up to New England for the for the winter. They literally called me when I like just crossed into Kansas, and I'm like, nope, it's uh, how it's supposed to be, but... Yeah, I think that I think that would be my longest trip. So I did Alaska, down to Colorado, over to Virginia. Or no. I went straight straight to New York, went to Long Island, got a slice of pizza, got a bagel, got an egg sandwich, and then drove up to Jay Peak, Vermont for the winter another hidden gem of a mountain deep snow uh awesome vibes great tree skiing like awesome tree skiing and that was that was the winter of 2020 so the border to montreal was closed and that's their main clientele so it was an empty mountain all winter i lived in the parking lot uh stateside parking lot of j peak next to my buddy who I met in the van, Shreddy Freddy. Shout out Shreddy Freddy, local legend. Uh, and then my buddy Neil, Neil Murphy, who's a great photographer as well. I'll give you uh, his link so you can link him in the, the bio. But yeah, we would. Uh, and then I was with my friends Chad and Elsa too, who manage uh, the Highland Lodge in Greensboro, Vermont. So that was like my little crew that winter. 
but yeah, me and me and Shreddy, Freddie, and Neil, we'd make we'd make quiches all the time and frittatas, and oh, I, I would make those, have breakfast for everyone, and then Shreddy, Freddie would make pork in a crock pot while we'd ride all day. Got back to the parking lot, you know, eat some stew, hang out. It was cool. Drank drank a lot of Jameson that winter because uh, Neil was an Irishman, so he always always had the Jameson ready. He was he was a cool dude. Yeah. So yeah, that so then after I di- I didn't work throughout this whole time. I was just uh, snowboarding every day, uh, working on bag jobs, and from there I drove. Down the East Coast, hit everything that I could. I uh, drove to Key West, um, so that was that was cool. And then that summer, I ended up working back in Stanley, Idaho. So Alaska, yeah, Alaska to New England to Key West, back to Idaho, all within a year. Dang, you'd be traveling. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, when I first got to Alaska, I drove up to. A uh, place called Prudhoe Bay, Dead Horse, which is at the the top of Alaska on the Arctic Ocean. So I went from the highest point you can drive in North America on the whole continent to the most southern part of the U.S. in a year. So that was pretty cool. Wild, so wild. Um, yeah. Do you want to? <laughs> Did you just take a shot? About... Uh, no. <laughs> me neither <laughs> did I want to talk uh, about what you want to talk about um, like the, our, our trip like leaving Alaska like coming back down through Canada yeah um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was that was quite a, a trip uh, definitely have to leave out one part on the border because that's sketch we're not going <laughs> to not gonna bring that up um but yeah so that that was like a what you're gonna say it wasn't illegal nothing 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 illegal no it was totally good and no one got hurt and no one got in trouble and nothing happened so i have no idea what you're talking about and uh so (laughs) that that was kind of a weird time because that was i guess that's 2021 now right or that was no that was still 2020 yeah yeah that was end of 2020 or uh, fall 2020. So Canada had this uh, rule in place where you had a time limit to drive through the Yukon and British Columbia uh, and Alberta. The Yukon had a 24-hour time limit, um, which I'll get into that story right now. But yeah, so you had 30 you had 30 days to drive from the border in just outside of Toke, Alaska to whatever border crossing back into the lower 48. Um, You had a time limit, and they, uh, let me tell you, they did not mess around with that because we did. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, so so for anyone that's never drove the Alcan, which is the Alaska-Canada Highway, um, it's it's insane. It's one of the coolest drives ever. Um, It's absolutely gorgeous. It's quite an experience if you ever have time to do it with a friend drive up to alaska take the alcan and just eat it all up it's it's amazing uh so but it's very remote there's there's certain parts in the yukon you'll go 10 hours and you won't see a town or a a person really you might see a gas station on the side but like some hobunk little gas station and yeah just 
big distances between uh, civilization and the stuff that's in between is just forests and mountains like you've never seen. I mean, it's another, oh, excuse me, it's another world. Um, so I think it's, this was night one, right? Yeah. Cause, oh, excuse me. Yeah. So night one, uh, the mission is to get to Whitehorse, which is a city in the Yukon. Really cool little town. I got to explore it on the way up this year. Um, but yeah, we were, we were on our way to Whitehorse. And so one of the rules that Canada said was you're not allowed to go into any of these towns because you're going to give everyone COVID and then you're going to get fined. And uh, I don't know, they'll probably kill you. So when we get to, when we approach Whitehorse, it's getting late, it's dark. And I don't know if you remember, Jason, but I, I remember us trying to like park in like an area on the Alcan. And we both like kind of got a little sketched out like by the cars and do you remember, am I like saying that right? Like, weren't we like, uh, I don't remember specifically. I just remember we like parked in a hotel parking lot. Yeah. So whatever it was, like we, we collectively said, all right, I kind of feel a little sketch parking on the Alcan right now. And we should just go into Whitehorse, which is five minutes off the Alcan and just park in a hotel parking lot real quick, wake up super early, get out of there. Um, so that's, that's what we do. Except when we wake up, we, I'll never forget it. We're looking at the map, the Atlas. You're in the passenger seat. I'm in the driver's seat. And I get a knock on the window with a guy with a clipboard, which, if you know anyone who has a clipboard, you got to take seriously. You know, that's that's the rules. Those rules right there. Um, so he had a clipboard, he had a jacket, and he had a hat that said "COVID Compliance Officer." And I'm like, you got to be, you got to be shitting me right now. Because um, I mean, we're caught. We're like caught red-handed. Like we're in Whitehorse. We have Idaho plates. Um, yeah, just caught red-handed. And yeah, roll down the window, but I'm also trying to be like, oh, dude, I don't want to roll down the window because I don't want to give some COVID. <laughs> like, like, you guys got to guys got back up. Like, put your mask on, chill. And uh, they were like, yeah, they were not about it. We, we explained the situation. They were like, yeah, no, like, um, we can hit you with a – do you remember when they said this? They were like, yeah, we can give you a $250,000 fine right now. And I'm like, dude, I got like a hundred bucks in my bank account. Like, you, you, you can't do that, please. Like, like talk about talk about ruining the day. Um, yeah. it was so wild, so. right? It was. We were just like, oh my god, like, are we like, are we about to go to jail or something? Like, um, yeah, dude, Canada did not fuck around. Like, they were no. like, you gotta go. Like, yeah, we're gonna arrest you. Like, yeah. Yeah, when you like either entered or left the Yukon, you had you had papers ready to give to the person and they looked at the watch and they were like, All right, like you're in the time frame and this kind of stuff and Yeah, long long story short, they uh they let us be on our merry way for some reason. But uh Yeah, I don't Yeah, I mean 
Dude, that entire like Canada crossing was so stressful. Because <laughs> like, it was insane. It was yeah, insane. like you were you weren't even allowed to like sightsee or anything. Like they were like, no. like we catch you like doing any sightseeing or tourism things. Like either you're gonna be arrested or we're gonna find you a lot. And mm-hmm. I remember there was like whole towns that were just gated off completely. Literally, oh my god, I forgot about that. Yeah, like straight up, like apocalyptic, like no entry, like big red X's essentially. Yeah, what the heck, dude? That was so strange. Yeah, and like it was like tiptoeing around the entire time. Like I remember at a convenience store, we went in to get like, I don't know, food or whatever we were getting, gas, and and like the people in there were nice, but I, I feel like we both got out of the car like, oops, maybe we like should not even try to go in there. Uh, yeah. And then I think either you or me were pumping gas and this, this American came up to us and was like, oh, like you guys are from America too. This is scary, isn't it? Dude, <laughs> like, I remember that. I remember that gas station low key. I remember when someone came, or I remember when you said that. Yeah, someone was talking to you. Yeah, well, that was a trip. One was crazy too, because when when COVID first, um, what's the word when when COVID happened? <laughs> I don't know when when COVID first uh, hit the scene. Um, Sun, we were working at Sun Valley, or not me and you, but me and my friends were working at Sun Valley. And the resort, the resort shut down. The whole world shut down. You know, mid March or whatever it was, and uh, we were all planning to go up to Alaska. So, being that nothing was open and we had nothing to do, um, and we were getting money, which was awesome, um, we, me and my two friends Max and Caleb, hopped in the van, my house, and we sent it to the Oregon coast and just lapped the coast while the whole world was just in like such the weirdest state it's ever been. in. I feel like, cause everywhere we stopped, it was kind of like we were seeing the first cellophane going up. We were seeing the first markers on the floor that said six feet apart. We were seeing the first, uh, first everything and it was wild like from place to place seeing like whoa they started doing this or like whoa look at how they're doing that and it was just weird i mean yeah drove through like nevada and oregon and just uh yeah it was quite a strange time and then drove up to alaska yeah dude i'll never forget uh china hot spring dude Dude. yeah yeah, that was awesome. So China Hot Springs is uh, a hot spring just outside of Fairbanks, Alaska, which is uh, north for like the road system. It's as far north, well, yeah, it's the city farthest north on the road system. Uh, so yeah, China Hot Springs Resort, really cool little spot. Got a big uh, natural hot spring pool that you can go soak in, and then uh, we. We just camped right out front in their little RV spots. But the whole reason we went up there is because we checked the Aurora forecast and the KP index, which is the measurement of which how intense the Aurora is going to be that night. Uh, the KP index was high for that time. So we had a really good chance of seeing the lights, uh, which something me and you have not. Well, now we have, but 
at that point we we never saw the northern lights yet so we're like oh man like this is this is gonna be awesome so i remember us sitting in the hot spring it's dark and they have so many like ambient lights around that it was kind of like like there was light pollution in the hot spring and it was kind of weird so we're like all right like we're done soaking it's 11 like let's like i guess we're going to bed like going to just hang out drink a beer and just chill so as we're as we're walking out of the hot springs resort i will never forget we were walking out at the same time with this guy and we asked we were like hey like do you think like we're gonna see the lights like have you seen them and he's like i've been here a week and i haven't seen the lights like like just a guy that hates life you know like pissies on vacation i don't get those people um Uh so like I'll never forget. He walked towards his RV, like went into his area and one of us nudged each other on the shoulder and just like whoever looked at the other person, they were just looking straight up and we both realized we're like, Oh my God, like there they are. The Northern lights. So yeah, we, we sat at, you sat out there all night. We sat out there though for like two hours and just laid down. It was awesome. It was Dude, so was cool. like. That was like one of the most magical moments of my life. Yeah. So like, cool. Dude, like we were, yeah. Cause we met that guy and he was just like bummed on life or whatever. So bummed. And, uh, and dude, I remember like talking to you like, dude, fuck. I don't think we're ever going to see him. And then I like put my head down and walked a little bit. And then, uh, like basically as soon as I like was processing that, like we won't ever see them. I look up and I, I nudged you. I was like, Bro, they're right there. Yeah, I, I think it was you who told me. Yeah, I'll never forget that moment, dude. It was so cool. Just like, oh, like what? Like there they are. The first time you see the Northern Lights, you, you know it. And I, uh, yeah, it was so sick. It was so cool. Yeah, it's like the coolest thing you could ever experience as a human. I think. Yeah. Like just do it. Like especially no when word. they're. And that was, I remember the show that we had, and that was, like, pretty light, because I've seen them uh, a couple times this summer, and the the first time I saw them this summer, I was at work, um, and everyone, like, ushered us outside to look at them, and that was, it was kind of, like, times five of what we saw, and I was just like, whoa, like, what the heck, like, dancing overhead, it, yeah, it's just, it's unreal, there is, it's, it's there's, unreal. There's no, there's nothing cooler. Like, a hundred percent, nothing cooler. <laughs> yeah, I just can't drop, be. What'd you say? Yeah, drops down like curtains, and they like dance with each other in the sky, with like brilliant, like color. And you're like, dude, yeah, what? It's like way better than like any firework display. Better oh, than God, anything. Yeah. Better than anything you can think of, really. It's like, and it's naturally occurring, which is like the craziest thing. It's literally just like an acid trip in the sky for free. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it. it's pretty insane. Um, I can't imagine being like a villager a hundred years ago and looking, or a couple hundred years ago and looking up and being like, what the heck is that? But um, yeah, it's an, it's an awesome thing. I'm stoked to see more this winter. Ugh, so jealous. <laughs> Dude, come up whenever, man. 
Yeah, yeah. Do, do you want to talk about uh, day number two? <laughs> yeah. You want me? You want to tell a story? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, you can go ahead. Me? Okay. Um. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um. So Jason and I, we met in Yosemite National Park um, in 2017. And we have had a couple adventures since then. And we always realized that our day, the, the second day that we're together, uh, usually means something crazy uh, is about to happen. Why am I blanking on what happened in Alaska? Give me one word of our day two. Okay, day two, Alaska. I hitchhiked there. No, I don't think... Did no, what did something crazy happen in Alaska? Because I, I, know, I know Yosemite day two, but then we had a crazy day two in Alaska. But what did... Is that... We didn't go pack rafting that day, did we? Oh, we... I have. We might have. Oh, that's dude. That might have been sketch raft day. Eh? It would have been. Yeah, that that might have been sketch raft. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was it that overnight river trip that we did? I would say. Well, yeah, because I well, I had like the experience with the guy on meth that I hitchhiked with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess I wouldn't really count that as day one because like we basically just met at a bar and then like slept. <laughs> Um, no, I just, then, I, like, I don't know why, sorry, I just can't remember, like, our Alaska day two, but our Yosemite day two, for sure. I think, I think it, well, dude, I think it was sketch raft, it was, like, day two, I believe. Like, yeah, memory. I think so. But either way, so, <laughs> second day in Yosemite National Park. Just got there for the summer, the valley is just insane if you've never uh, been into the valley but uh, quite a magical place for sure um so day two <clears throat> me jason and a couple of friends my ex-girlfriend juliet and brandon prophet yeah i think it was just us four and Br- probably um primrose now is her name Yes. I don't know. Whatever. We had our little, we had our little squad. Um, and we go to a party in a cave. Um, and when I say a party in a cave, like, I mean, like we walked off trail and there's this cave with 50 people and fires everywhere and people slacklining drinking. And I was just like, what the heck? It was like, there's a party in Flintstones. It was so cool. (laughs) It was awesome. Um, but then on our walk back, I mean, we're all pretty drunk at this point, I'd imagine. And we're walking back in the pitch dark. Uh, we're next to, we're walking along the Merced River, and it's still early season enough where the water is moving from the winter, the spring runoff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're not going in the water. If you do, oh, well, uh, <laughs> here's where the story starts, I guess. But yeah. Rapids, insane. Just complete white water. It's dark. We're on a very lonely trail walking back from the cave. And in front of us, 
we make out like a silhouette of a person. We're kind of like, is that someone like walking towards us? Like, what is that? And we're all kind of talking at this point. And then we're getting closer and closer and they're getting closer. And then we realize like, oh, it's like a 30 year old naked dude, like in the middle of the trail. And we're like, okay, this is about to be crazy. Like, we don't know if he's coming from the party or if we, if this is a a rescue operation, Uh, which turned into a rescue operation very quickly because we found out that this guy has been on a, whatever, week-long backpacking trip with his father, who was asleep at camp. And he went at night to shower in the river, right? Was that it? Or like just wash off in the river? I think he just went for a swim or something. Went for a swim, which, I mean, on the scale of one to stupid is just so stupid. (laughs) Like, one, you're at night. Two, you're in a raging whitewater river. It's freezing cold runoff water from the snow like you're uh yeah i have a lot of words to say about that guy but so right away we're like okay like oh my god like you and he's bruised up he's like yeah i got thrown around on boulders like managed to grab a tree on the side and yank myself out and we're all like dude you (laughs) like you should be dead dude like you are so lucky you're alive right now like you're soaking wet jason are you yeah you're jason uh you and Prophet, I remember, I mean, we, I remember we did like a quick, like, all right, like what's going on assessment. And then you guys took your clothes off your backs, put clothes on him. Definitely pants and like a shirt for sure. And we're like, all right, dude, like, like we're, we just saved you. Like, where's your, where's your dad? Like, we gotta, we gotta go bring you to your tent and tell your dad that, you're an idiot and that you need to be watched at all times and that we saved you and that, uh, you're all good. And I hope you guys have a rest of your trip, except this guy turns into a complete asshole, like such an asshole to us where he's like, no, like you can't take me to my dad, yada, yada. Um, like, I can't have him find out about this. And we're like, dude, like, we're we're beyond that, man. Like, you're lucky to be alive. Like, we have to get you back to your house. Like, we want our clothes back. You need to be in a blanket. Like, you got to chill. And he's literally he's just saying no. He's, like, saying all this stuff to us, being not nice, not appreciative of anything that we've just done for this guy. It's 2 a.m. We're hammered. Uh, just want to throw that in there. Like, this is not at noon like sunny with everyone walking around and help is everywhere like no like we're no one's here no one's out here so we're like dude like if if you're not telling us where your tent is like where like what do you want us to do like you're not what do you think you're coming back to huff which is uh the area where workers live in uh in yosemite damn i miss huff but uh yeah so we're like dude if you're not telling us like and like we're like we have we gotta call the Rangers or something, dude. Like we like you're being wild right now and like we can't we low key can't believe that you're like talking to us like this. I think I got fed up and I just like I walked ahead with Juliet because I'm like I'm not I'm not even talking to you, dude. Like I can't believe that you're like talking to us like this and whatever. I was over it, but we got to like back to our area and we Yeah, we ended up calling the Rangers and they helped him 
and took him back and never heard from him since. But yeah, quite quite an experience. Naked dude. That was day two and that set the set the stage for an epic summer in Yosemite. Yeah, dude, our day twos are amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm still like low key pissed I can't like remember what our Alaska day two was. It, it had to be sketch wrapped. I think it was sketch wrapped. But that was like also, that- we're we're about at an hour. Um cool. I really want to talk more, so we're down. So yeah, dude. Oh, I'm chilling. I have cool. I mean, yeah. I warn people at an hour, like, yeah, it's been an hour. If you have other things to do, like, you know. Oh, no, but, man. Like, I personally want my podcast to be, like, an hour plus. Like, I get frustrated if it's, like, less than an hour. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, should we talk, like, about bag of jobs and how yeah, you could do this stuff? Um, or, yeah, what's up? Yeah, I mean, let's maybe let's just keep talking about like stories (laughs) cool yeah um yeah that was that was crazy um yeah damn yeah Um, uh, alaska day two yeah let's let's do sketch draft fine okay um yeah so jason just got up to alaska for the summer i convinced him to come up uh he just got there and this was the summer i just got my cocapelli pack raft um one of the best pieces of gear i've ever bought shout out cocapelli sponsor me um but yeah cool i got a cool uh nirvana self-bailing boat uh for whitewater super stoked to have it uh considering i'm living on the kenai peninsula so the kenai river is right there and then also in hope uh you got the six mile river which uh gets pretty gnarly from what i heard haven't ran it yet but uh so whatever jason just got there and i'm planning a river trip uh with me him and our friend max um so we the plan was to float from uh cooper's landing alaska down the kenai um paddle across um lake uh, oh my god ski lake which is <laughs> huge huge oh. lake yeah that's uh, part of the story and then uh and then go to the yeah and then paddle a little more down uh some river and then exit get out or yeah take out in sterling yeah sterling yeah, so whatever. It was a a long river trip, but we looked at the map and we're like, yeah, like we can do that in an overnight trip, you know, camp along the side of the river or whatever for a night. And then, yeah, so uh, we took way too long to get to the Putin and Putin. <laughs> that sounded weird. Uh, to the Putin. Put in. Putin. Putin day. The Putin. Yeah. Yeah. How can you have your pudding if you don't have your meat? Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, so we're like pretty late. We got to run a shuttle. And by the time we like plan to go on water, it's like five at this time, which in summer in Alaska, it doesn't mean a lot because it's light out to one, one, two a.m. Um, so yeah, so we put in super late and as we're, as we're driving back from dropping our shuttle off, we see 
uh, two or three grizzlies with mom in the river bobbing for salmon. And like everyone's pulled over looking at the bears and uh, we're heading back to the put in to float down right where they're feeding. So all, already we're like, okay, there's bears at like mile marker two. Like we're, yeah, we gotta like think about that, whatever. So yeah, we paddle. Uh, we don't make it to the lake the first night. So we, we, uh, camp along the side of the Kenai. I think we caught a fish or Max caught a trout. We had some, we had some dinner on the wait, side. Wait, 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 wait. We got to back up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, what is the sketch trap? Sketch trap, duh. So, so yeah, so I'm in my like state of the art brand new pack raft. Max is in uh, an alpaca pack raft from. Uh, her friend. She was, a, she was in a ducky, I think. Was she in a ducky? She might have been yeah, in a ducky. She, she was in a ducky. Yeah. Well, either way, it was durable. And it was, like, yeah. meant for whitewater and, like, a trip. And then Jason here telling me, yeah, I have a pack raft. Whips out his uh, pool floaty of a freaking raft. To call it, to call it a boat is, like... <laughs> calling a, a Hot Wheels car uh, a car. <laughs> like, it's like... It was terrible, dude. We we all looked at it and were like, bro, you gotta be kidding me, man. Like, we're in frigid water. We, ha- we have dry suits. Actually, no, I put the dry suits on you and Max. I'm the only one without a dry suit because I'm like, god damn it, my friends. Like, <laughs> like this is crazy. I mean, to be fair, it is it's a climate. I still have it. It's a lot. <laughs> it's cool but like to like go through i think the rapids were only like class two maybe one class three but either way it was like yeah, that it, it, it was a it was a bold move gun and <laughs> it it was sketch so like right away i'm like dude jason over here in the sketch raft like here we go um i mean me and max have river god experience i guess but it was like, it was sketchy. It was, it was pure sketchy. So Jason was being watched the whole time. Rope was ready whenever he was going to get ejected, but I don't think you ever swam. Did you? Nope. I, nope. Yep. I paddled the entire thing. No falls. So sick. Yep. On the sketch, on the sketch raft. Yep. So <laughs> awesome. So when, so when we wake up the next day, we got a big day ahead of us, big day of paddling. And we, we get off or Kenai River, make it to Skelac Lake. And we look to where we have to paddle towards the, like the Western part of the lake. And if you look at a map and look at Skelac Lake from the air, like on the Kenai Peninsula, it is a huge body of water that does not look that big on a map for some reason to me. And when we get onto the lake and we're looking at where we have to go, we're all kind of just like, what the heck like that is far away um something else we didn't know is that ski lake is wicked dangerous and is known for flipping boats is known to be extremely windy very choppy rough water people die in it every summer people die in it every winter falling through the ice um very very dangerous body of water something very much overlooked and 
something I learned about Alaska, uh, it will, it will spit, it will, oh man, it, it will kill you. Alaska will kill you and it has no remorse. And, um, everything up here is just like a little more dangerous on the danger scale to me, at least I, I think to most people that are into the outdoors. Um, so yeah, I made a rookie move there. Uh, we get onto ski lack Lake and we're like, Oh shit. Like, I don't, I don't think we're like, we're not set out for this. This is, this is a big paddle. Um, so a bunch of fly fishing guides kept passing us in there. Um, cause they'll row their boat down the river with oars. And then when they make it to the lake, they can drop their little outboard motor and then whip across the lake to the takeout. Um, so boats are passing us with guests left and right. We're not making any progress. We're like three hours in and we're like, Oh man, like we're, uh, like, Holy crap. Like we're far from, uh, the outflow into the the other section of river. Um, so we're we're getting kind of nervous and one boat stops and says, Hey, like, what are you guys doing? And we tell him our plan. And he's like, dude, like you guys are shot. Um, you guys can come in on boat and we'll take you to the first takeout. And we're like, yeah, like rookies, rookie, rookie, rookie. Um, so you and Max hop in the boat. Why couldn't, uh, why couldn't I go in the boat? Dude, I don't know. Was it just I, too I many remember, people? You got towed behind, right? Or something like that. Yeah. So Max, yeah. So Max and Jason are in this little, I don't know, 13 foot, like not a Boston whaler, but. Like just a little, little boat. Yeah. Definitely not a boss. Well, but, uh, yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I don't know how I'm, but I must've put on the dry suit. Had to, but I was getting towed. Yeah. For some reason yeah. I'm like, wait, but you guys had them on either well, way. So, because he, like sketch wrapped, but <laughs> yeah, you were definitely wearing it. And I think Max was too, for some reason, but Either way, so they're like, yeah, like we can tow you in the pack raft. Just hold on to this rope. I'm like, yeah, like for sure. Um, I don't know if anyone's been towed with a rope before. Uh, if you're water skiing, you know how there's like how it breaks into kind of like a Y and then there's like a nice little rubber part that you hold on to and the rope. Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't have that. So I wrapped this rope. Well, I didn't like tie it because if I fell out, I would have been dragged in the water. But I'm holding on to this rope with my dear life. I've, I, now I understand what rope burn really is. I'm holding on for dear life behind this fly fishing boat, getting towed in this lake, fully looking like an idiot. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was, it was an awesome, it was an awesome experience. And we, we made it to the takeout and Max hitchhiked to the shuttle and we were back in Seward by dinner. It was quite, Dude, I, quite crazy. Like thinking back on this experience, like I'm such an idiot. Like why? But I think that was a good idea. Dude, it was such a bad idea. I mean the the whole the river trip fine, but the crossing the lake was not smart on my end. But well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It was funny because like you know I live in Lake Tahoe. And I know how long Lake Tahoe is. And you were like, oh, it's, it's probably just a small lake. It doesn't look that big. Like, okay. Um, and then, like, we, like, kind of got into the second day. But, like, we, like, got into the actual lake. And I was like, 
Oh my god, that's like bigger than like Tahoe. It's bigger than Tahoe <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I th- I, th- I think we did look it up. I'm pretty sure it is bigger. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah I know. just insane. I mean, I was in like super high spirits, you know. I had like the raft was not broken. Um, I was paddling like fine. I mean, slower than you guys were, but still paddling on this like. Yeah. You know, kind of budget pack raft. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had a great time. I mean, do you do you remember right when we entered the lake? Like we were just in awe of the mountains, and we got that's where we got like all of our cool pictures of each other. With uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll never forget that little delta right there and just, like, looking 360 and just being like, whoa. Dude, I'll never forget it. It's such an amazing experience. Like, <clears throat> even though, like, could we could have died, but we didn't. <laughs> we could have died, and if anyone from Alaska, like, heard the story, they would have been like, oh, yeah. Like, they, yep. They died for sure. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like, oh my god, what a tragedy. It's like, oh no, they're, yep, they uh, they tried to poke the bear, and Alaska said no. But we did it. We're we're good. We survived. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, dude. That campsite. I think we found grizzly prints, didn't we? Yeah. Right near. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah. I mean, we're. I felt low key safe just because we knew that the bears were very full off fish, but definitely a sketchy spot to camp. And yeah, I, I think we have to redo that whole trip or well, maybe not redo it with the lake part, but uh, looking back, I would definitely do a lot of stuff differently for sure. But it was a great experience and uh, live to tell the tale, dude. Dude, tell the story about how you got charged by a moose. Yeah. Which time? Holy shit. Yeah. Um, which time? Yeah, so... Why? Yeah, I got charged by a moose. This is... These are... This is a good story. Um, so the first time, I just get into Seward. <clears throat> Excuse me. Just got into Seward for the summer. I'm new to Alaska. And I discover my favorite camping spot I've ever camped at. I I love this area. There's people there, but um, it's just so cool to me. You get to camp on uh, Resurrection River, um, but you get to drive out onto the riverbed where all the braids are. Exit Glacier is just up river from it, about five miles away. So it's all glacier fed. Well, and I guess, I don't know if Resurrection River is, well, it is, but I don't think the source is from a glacier. But uh, either way, so yeah cool camping area and uh when i first get there i park i find my little spot next to uh the tree line which is right by the road i could have kept driving out into more of uh the rocky braided area but this is my first night there had no idea what was going on so i found a little camp area and um no one's here yet still pretty early season uh late April, early March, or early May. Um, and I need to go get firewood. And this is also at the time where like, I'm realizing that I need glasses and, uh, <laughs> I'm actually wearing them right now. Glasses are crazy. I don't know. People see like this all the time. Um, so 
So I'm like in the woods. Uh, my van is like 20 feet away on the rocks and I'm just searching for firewood and I see something in the distance in the woods. And I kind of think I'm like, huh, like why is a person like, who's that person? What are they doing? You know, are they looking for firewood too? And, uh, I'm kind of like looking around. I'm like, where did that person go? Like, what are they doing? And then I realize when I lock eyes with it, that it's a, a bull moose staring right at me. And I've never, felt that before and uh and it started getting bigger and i see it jogging at me and i'm like no no way here we go so i i turn around obviously i I book it back to my van because my van's right there um but in terms of moose safety like obviously don't turn around and run you always want to have get get something in between you and kind of just dance around with it because its peripheral vision is terrible. Um, so yeah, you kind of just want to not move and yeah, get in between a tree because if they if they get at you and they they stomp you, it's uh yeah they're very dangerous, right? And they're huge. Um, a horse looks insanely small compared to a moose. Um, so yeah, so the moose is running full force at me. I turn around, I'm running back to my van. I run to the hood of my van, which is like the whole van distance is now in between me and I'm hiding around it. The moose comes right out to where my camp chair is. I have a crazy photo of it, uh, like 10 feet away from me. I'm just looking around like, what the heck? Like, where did it go? Um, and it's right there. It walks away and I'm chilling. So that was like my first welcome to Alaska. And, uh, yeah, definitely shook me up and I was like, whoa, like that was crazy um yeah got glasses right after that so then the other the other time i got charged by a moose um floating the kenai river with my friend max it's just us two beautiful day out everyone's on the water great day so with with these rivers up here uh, a braided river you know if you don't know there's like the main channel and then uh a braid is like just a a divide, a divide, blah, 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 a diversion of the water. Uh, so it creates like all these little streams that are still flowing and empty up into the main channel. And there's just a bunch of little routes you can kind of take, like little side uh, streams and stuff. You know, it's fun. So we're floating, and I have a genius idea to split off from Max. She stays in the main channel, and I take one of the braids where there's trees in between us and. Um, yeah, so right when I enter the braid, I see like five, six people fly fishing right there and they kind of tell me to stop and chill. And I look down river and there's a huge, huge, uh, moose in the middle of the river, um, profile view. Like you see the whole side of the moose, uh, moose and it is intimidating. So I'm chilling there. I'm kind of like, oh crap. Max doesn't know that I stopped. Like, she can't hear me. I can't call her. Uh, Don't have walkie-talkie. And, yeah, it's kind of sketch. So we're we're sitting there for, like, five minutes, and I ask, like, how long has this moose been here? She's like, oh, yeah, it's been there for, like, 20 minutes. I'm like, no way. Like, uh uh-oh. So the moose starts to move, and it, it goes – it's in, like, the middle of the river, right? The main channel – 
is going Looker's right. And Looker's left is getting pretty shallow and goes into a wooded area. So the moose starts heading to the left and away from the main channel of this little braid, essentially. And it, it, this is good. This is, this is good news. So it's moving away from where I need to go to get past it. Um, so as it starts moving over, I'm like, all right, like I, I think I'm good. I can, I can take that chance, which don't, just don't take any chances in uh, Alaska. That's a big takeaway from what I learned. You don't, you don't have to risk anything here. Um, so as I start paddling, um, I just like have my head down and I'm paddling full force, trying to stay to the right side as I can. The moose is right on the other bank. Um, as I'm passing it, the moose turns around, looks right at me and starts sprinting and I'm in the water and I'm like, no way. Like, this is it. I'm quickly prepare. I'm preparing myself to like flip my pack raft over and just like wish for the freaking best. Cause I, that was a moment where I definitely thought I was going to die. I, I don't, I don't want to say I accepted it. I, my life didn't flash before my eyes or anything, but I definitely had that a real like, Oh crap moment, you know? Um, and yeah, so it, it turned around, it, it did a couple, it charged me, but it was like a, a bluff charge essentially. And it, and then it stopped and I'm like, and then I'm kind of like free at that point. I'm just, I'm paddling as hard as I can. I'm in the, I'm in the current and, uh, yeah, I, just, I keep going and the moose stayed, but it was one of the freakiest things ever. Yeah. Just, uh. Just another day off in Alaska. <laughs> it's kind of crazy, though. I mean, I've heard, like, big animals like that do, like, bluff charge you. Like, and they'll stop, like, right before. Just yeah. to, like, scare you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, but, like, how can you ignore that? Like, yeah. spider <laughs> Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I'm, um... Like, like what? I'm a I'm a I'm a big pussy. I would be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, compared. I not try to fight. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, at that point, you're. I mean, I was a sitting, literally, a sitting duck. Like I was floating on water, and I was in a big yellow, rubber ducky raft, essentially. So I looked like a floating duck, a sitting duck. Um, it was sketch. Dude, that's so wild. Yeah, it was it was sketch. It was it was crazy. I mean, even uh, the like a couple grizzly bear experiences I had. I uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story about in Yellowstone. Got face to face with a mom and grizzly cubs alone in the Yellowstone backcountry. That was that's a pretty crazy story, actually. So uh, so Juliet, who you know, my ex girlfriend, uh. We were hiking in Yellowstone, and we, what is it called? Uh, This hike is called Observation Peak. So the first time me and Juliet go to hike it, she was getting sick. It was, like, snowing out, and we didn't make it to the top. And, I mean, it was totally cool. Like, we, yes, like, we didn't want to finish the hike that day, but... 
in my book, I'm like, oh no, like I have to, like, I got to finish that. You know, I can't, I can't start and not reach the peak of a hike, you know, um, obviously not on that hike, but I knew that I had to come back and do it. So Juliet left for the summer and I decided to finish observation peak for myself. Um, so we're, so I'm by myself. It's like 6am, uh, start the hike, walking through a little tree and then, um, little wooded area and then into like a big meadow. Um, and the way the trail goes, you can, I'm pretty sure you can go straight like for miles and I'm not sure where that ends up, or you can veer off to the right and kind of circle up observation peak summit. And then you circle back down, you make a left on the trail and then you're back, uh, in the parking lot in a mile or two. So when I'm in the meadow, I got my head down, I'm hiking, I'm just making noise, I'm chilling, whatever, soaking it up, doing my thing. And I look up to where, to where I like plan on making the right turn to wrap, to go up the mountain. Um, it's not really a a mountain. It's more of like a a butte, I'd say, but whatever, to gain, gain some elevation, you make a right and you kind of just circle around this little peak and sum it out. So as I'm as I'm approaching the turn that I have to take, I'm probably like 300 yards, 400 yards away, and I see something moving down the trail. And I stop, and I'm just, "Are you you good? Are you uh, you freaking out over there?" Oh, nice. What up, dog? Do you uh, do you know you know do you know up dog? Uh, I thought you were gonna say what's what's up, dog? But I, <laughs> I, get, the, I get the joke that you tried to go for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's like my dogs are like going in and out of my room. And nice. Settle. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I look up and I see a mom, mom grizzly bear, and two cubs walking down the trail that I have to walk on. Uh, so I stop, obviously, and. I'm watching. I'm kind of just like freaking out. I'm like, Oh no, like this is not good for me. Like I'm in a bad position right now. Um, and I'm pretty sure I called Juliet and was just like, you have no idea what I'm looking at right now. Like this is so cool. I don't know how I had service, but I remember she's like, Oh, you're just like standing there looking at a mom and her cub. I'm like, yeah. She's like, Oh, like probably get out of there. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea, but also, like, I got to finish this hike. Rookie. So, Mom Grizzly hops on her hind legs and is, like, does a little bear thing where she's looking around. Definitely locked eyes with me. I, we, yeah, we looked at each other, for sure. And heart just sank, dude. I I thought she was just going to sprint over and, yeah. I thought (laughs) that was another moment where I'm just, like, this is about to suck, dude. And kid from, I see the headlines already kid from long Island first summer in Yellowstone eaten by grizzly bear, like classic. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so yeah, hopped on its hind legs and then it made a right on the trail to like where I wasn't going. So I, I thought I was lucky, but I was lucky. So, um, I didn't know this about grizzly bears, but what they do is they'll 
they'll put their cubs somewhere else sometimes and then like have them chill and then go back and kind of fuck up whatever was in its way. Um, something I learned after. But so I, I thought when they started going the opposite direction that I had free, free reign of summiting observation peak. Um, I keep saying summit, but it's not like, it's not like a real summit. So any, anyone that like knows observation peak is probably just like, dude, like chill out. But, um, yeah, finished the hike, got away with it. And then I, I was telling people about it when I got back and they were just like, dude, like, like you lucky, so lucky. So that was another crazy big, big game story. Oh my God. <laughs> Nothing to mess with. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, think about like, think about like how much stuff we got away with, <laughs> you know, in our lives. Ugh, crazy dude. Dude. I, <laughs> yeah. Thank God I'm not a cat. Cause I would have expired my nine lives already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I um, mean, you're you're a confident human, like, man, you're not an idiot. So, nah, I can be an idiot for sure, and confidence sometimes <laughs> kills. Complacency kills too. I remember my uh, guy that did my swift water rescue class, Nate Ostis. He uh, beat that into us when we were training to be river guides. Complacency kills. I'll never forget it. So, no, no, it totally does. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't want to like get. Yeah, I got like pretty complacent, and I've lost friends with like climbing complacency and whatnot. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like consequences of your actions and thinking like you're at the top of the world and invincible, and nobody can hurt you or nothing can hurt you. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's uh, it's dangerous. I mean, it's also a lot of fun, but being uh, being dangerous and being complacent is a deadly, deadly combo. Yeah, I mean, I guess you just need to like know what you're doing um, and like manage risks. Like, yep. <clears throat> yeah, you know. Yeah, measure twice, cut once. Yeah. <laughs> Do we yeah. want to talk about Thailand Day Two? Wait, maybe that was our other day too. That yeah, we. I don't think. I think the Alaska sketch draft wasn't day two. What we got a something did happen on day two though in Alaska. Or no, we, dude. I know exactly what it was. We had, <clears throat> we had our day two experience in Yosemite. We had our day two experience in Thailand, which uh, we'll get into. And then I remember, this is it, Jason. We were day two in Alaska, and we were planning on something crazy happening, and we got away with it. And we went into day three being like, dude, we just beat day two in the most dangerous place we've been to together. Like, this is crazy. Oh, oh yeah. That's definitely yeah, it. We didn't have a day two in Alaska, and we were stoked that we didn't in a way. Yeah, but then, like, quickly after. Yeah, then quickly yeah. after we, yeah, we had, <laughs> yeah, day six was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, yeah, maybe that was, like, oh, we've actually, like, gone through day two. Uh. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to start off the Thailand story? 
Where do I begin? <laughs> yeah, I mean, just, yeah. Okay, so I went to Thailand by myself for a little while, and I was traveling with pretty much nobody, but I met up with my friend, Matt Burton-Seddy, and we went rock climbing in uh, Tanzai and Rayleigh Beach, which was really cool. And I kind of got like, you know, sort of acquainted with the both the wildlife and the people there. And oh my God, like the people there in Thailand are so friendly, so amazing. And like, you can get cheap, like Ubers to really cool places. Anyway, rambling, but yeah, so I went rock climbing for like two weeks and then Dylan showed up <laughs> and then we had a very crazy experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> That's my cue. Um, yeah. So we, uh, how do I say this? We, uh, we flew or yeah, we met up in Phuket. Thailand, which is the, uh, the the beach area, the islands of Thailand, the yeah, the beautiful beaches, party scene. It's where every Australian goes for their spring break. It's it's crazy. It's insane. It's so much fun. It's such a cool spot, but also like not really the vibe we were going for. We were, you know, like we wanted that uh, that local curry spot and a Buddhist temple and. Phuket was mostly just like buy a bucket of liquor and go to the club. And I was like, like, go to the beach and then get a massage and then go eat uh, some cheap pad thai. Cool spot, great area. Um, So, like you do in Thailand, uh, Jason and I rented motorbikes. Motorbikes for the how long were we there? Like three, four days, maybe five days. Um, But yeah, rent. Yeah, rented these motorbikes, which are so much fun, let me tell you. Um, so one day we're there and we're just like, hey, like, you want to just go cruise down the coast for a little bit, take a take a little drive, go explore? Of course, we both agree that, yes, that's exactly what we want to do. So we end up in, what is that little town? It starts with a K, I feel like. Uh, do you remember? Crabby. No, it wasn't Krabi, because Krabi was where you, um, that's where you climbed, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Krabi was like that other island thing, I'm pretty sure. Hold on, I'm going to look. I I know what you're thinking, but, oh, Ko something. No, Ko Tao and Ko Payam, that was, hold on, I'm trying to find where Phuket is. Thailand. God, what a fun. Phuket. Where was it? <laughs> yeah. I- it's named after our. Uh... Oh, Karone. Karone Beach. Or Kata. Kata Beach. Oh, Kata, yeah. 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 And we stayed in Patong, Patong Beach. So we drove south towards Kata Beach and Karone Beach. Um, 
which is, yeah, so whatever, we drive down, we find a little hole in the wall, a little uh, restaurant right on the beach, you know, cheap food, cheap beer, and dude, we had two beers, and I, I wasn't, we were not drunk. If we were in the U.S., we were so straight, but everything I've read about coming, everything I read about going to Thailand was... Do not trust the police. If you ever get caught by the police, you bribe them. Uh, never do a breathalyzer because the breathalyzers are rigged. And everything I learned is just like, do not trust the police. Do not take a breathalyzer. Give them money. All right. Noted. So we each have a... Yeah. And like, and like, dude, we were not drunk. Like, this is not... We were not drunk. This, I know, this is not those times where, like, someone's like, dude, I wasn't even drunk, and, like, oh, I blew a .26. Like, no, we, me and Jason drink, and me and Jason do not drive drunk, and Jason and I were not drunk. We had two small, little, light beers, Chong's, shout out Chong, great beer, and uh, we were so chilling. We had two beers and french fries each. For like four bucks. It was freaking awesome. So we hop on our motorbikes and start driving back to Patong for the night. And we're in another little beach. And there's a Buddhist uh, parade going through the town. And like this ain't a normal parade. Like we got tuk-tuks on the side with LED lights bumping music. There's people dancing everywhere. So... Here I am with Jason two days into Thailand. We get in the middle of this parade. Everyone's cheering, having fun. We're having fun. And I just I just honk my horn a little bit to the music. And it it was just a little do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Like something like that. Like wasn't crazy. And I, I was just having fun. I was smiling. It was great. People were loving it. Tuk-tuks were loving it. And then I got a red wand right in my face from a police officer who goes, pull over, pull over. I'm like, oh God, like, no way. Like, what? Uh, yeah, he's like, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, what, uh, what, like, what do you mean? What, what was I doing? Like, what did I do? He goes, oh, yada, 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 yada. Like, first question, you drink? I'm like, dude, I, we just, we just had a beer over there. Like, I'm, no, I'm not drinking. Like, I'm, I'm fine. Meanwhile, there's like, these 21-year-olds from Australia in neon bright pink tank tops saying, like, just party on their shirts, hammered on these motorbikes, flying by, like, visibly drunk. And I'm not. And he pulls me over. He goes, you drink? I said, yeah, dude, I just, I had a beer with some french fries. Like, rookie move. Why, why, you don't admit that you drank. So, rookie. Um, so he's like, oh, you drink. Yeah, you go to jail. I'm like, what? Like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to jail, dude. Like, nothing. Like, I'm not, I didn't do anything. I'm sorry. I, I honked the horn during the during the music. Uh, like, I apologize. Just having fun. Like, so sorry. I I just got here yesterday. Another thing you don't want to tell the police. Don't tell them you just got there, because they're gonna know that you got money on you, and you have all the money for your trip waiting to be spent at the cops' disposal right now. So they're holding me, and, and Jason also pulls in behind me because he's a just a friend. God damn. I love you, Jason. Thank you. And uh, quite literally probably saved my butt because the cop was like, yeah, dude, like, you don't have to be here, but your friend, like, 
like we're talking to your friend or whatever. And he's like, Oh no, like I'm with him. Like we're like, what's, what's going on? Um, so whatever, long story short, they get there or uh long story, probably longer. Uh, they get there supervisor over same thing comes over to me. They're, they're asking about weed. I'm like, no, sir, like no weed, no nothing. I don't have liquor in the car. I didn't drink any liquor. Like I just had a beer at dinner. Like I'm so fine right now. Like what, what is this issue? And again, Oh, you, you drink like, yeah, I just had a beer. Oh yeah. You go jail. Like what, why, why, what is this jail thing that everyone's talking about? Cause I had a beer. Like I'm not doing anything crazy. Like I'm, I'm very relaxed at this point. I'm not, not causing a scene. I'm not causing an issue, but I'm also like, what is going on here? Like I am not ending up in a Thai jail my second day in Thailand. Like I'm, I'm being so tame right now. Um, so what do they, how do they do? They're like, we're talking to them. And then I think I just whisper, I'm just like, all right, like how, how much, how much are we talking? Like, what do we, what do we got? And the guy's like 30,000 baht. I'm like 30,000 baht. I'm doing the math in my head and that's a thousand bucks, like a quarter of my whole trip and, uh, maybe a little less. And, but he, yeah, he said a thousand bucks and I'm like, Jesus, like what the heck go to reach into my pocket, realize, Oh, perfect. Like my credit card and everything that I need debit card. And I only have like a little bit of cash on me is at the hotel 20 minutes north in Patong. Luckily, Jason has his ATM card and he, and he's like, hey, like, can I go get the money and then bring it back? And the cops are just like, yeah, like if you want to do that. And they're they're kind of surprised that I have a friend like that, which is just so awesome. Thank you again, Jason. But Jason literally drained his bank account for me to get to get out of this. And then, uh, I mean, I paid you back, but, um, crazy. What a crazy scenario we got out of it. I, yeah. I paid a thousand dollars to get out of a Thai DUI my second day in Thailand. And I was not stone cold sober, but two Bud Lights deep an hour ago. So, so chilling. And yeah, I refused, refused to do the breathalyzer. Um, I was so nervous, but was also looking at the limit it's like 0.05 so just just scary all around i mean don't drink and drive in any scenario but um yeah quite quite an experience dude oh. <laughs> i will like always remember like the time we pulled off onto the side of the road and we were like oh it's over we did it <laughs> yeah yeah, we were driving back over, I mean, to say it's a mountain pass is crazy, but I remember it was like a big hill into the next town, and we were at like kind of the top of the hill, and we pulled over, and I just gave you the biggest hug, and like we kind of just had like a, like, what just happened? Like, okay, let's go home and just, like, go to bed. <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And like, they like took you into that like little like whatever section that I couldn't get into and I was like walking over with like all this money and I was like I really hope that these people aren't super 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 corrupt and if I hand them over all this money are they just gonna take it 
and then be like, "Oh, you're arrested too." Yeah. So I was like, uh, "Oh God." <laughs> yeah. But luckily, yeah, the guy like counted out the money, and he was like, "You're a great friend," and then released you. I was like, "Oh fuck, yes." Yeah, and we looked it up, and I was like, their whole month's salary, if not more, just like silver platter from two white kids from America that just got there yesterday with money in their pocket, so. Yeah, but, like, when you were, like, getting detained, I, like, went up around, like, the corner and looked up, like, what is the legal limit? Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, zero. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. I mean, yeah, I... Dude, we got out of it. We, just, we got out of it, and I still stand by that I did not feel impaired to drive. No, me neither. Yeah, I mean, we, like, hadn't been drinking at all. Like, No, we had there. two light beers, like, for the whole day and <laughs> with the little food. Like, we were not... We, we were not partying. We were not there to, like, go party. We, like, we had a beer at dinner. Like, it wasn't... We were chilling, but... And we were at sea level, too. Yeah. yeah. Coming from 7,000 feet. So, yeah, I mean, well, you know, don't uh, do anything wrong in Thailand because they will try to get you. Well, <laughs> yeah, and if you do something wrong, just have money in your pocket and bribe the police because that works, which is terrible yeah. advice to give anybody, but that's, that's what it is. <laughs> so, yeah, don't. Yeah, if I ever have a kid, don't tell them that, but. All right, bugger jobs. Yes. Let's talk about it. So, me and you tried to make this company, and, like, it's super successful now, but, uh, yeah, that's what we were, were working on, so, yeah, bugger jobs. Bugger jobs, yep. I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, uh, started as an idea from... Uh, me working seasonally and just um, realizing that filling out a bunch of applications for every job was quite annoying, especially with the same repetitive uh, information. Um, so I came up with the idea of trying to bring in the Indeed and LinkedIn and the common app for applying to colleges, uh, their business model of uh, using your profile on their website and acting as an application. Uh, so to streamline the application process for employers and for applicants alike. Um, so yeah, I came up with it back in 2017, tried running with it uh, under a different name and different team, different developer, and it just didn't work out. Uh, came back to the drawing board in 2020 in about January, February, and worked super hard uh, all of 2020 uh, trading this with my team. And yeah, now we have a full-blown full online job site to find seasonal work around the world. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. You, uh, so if you're looking to a little change of pace for your lifestyle, if you don't like your job, you're still stuck at home where you grew up, you see people living this van life uh, lifestyle. You see people traveling, 
this is for you. This is a great way, great way to travel, great way to make money. Um, a lot of the jobs provide housing. Uh, a lot of the jobs provide three meals a day. Um, it's a, it's an all inclusive, uh, lifestyle essentially. So <clears throat> you can log on to vagajobs.com. You create your applicant profile. Uh, just make sure you update it completely with all the information. Uh, then you upload your resume as well. Uh, so you have two resumes up there and then you could peruse our jobs and apply to most of them with just a click of a button. And yeah, it's a seasonal work. It's great, great way to travel, great way to get out. And uh, Vag Jobs tries to make it a little bit easier for you. So yeah, uh, super successful right now. I, uh, I appreciate that. <clears throat> We're still definitely a startup and still trying to get our name out there, but we've made a good impact and uh, only only have been growing. So it's been a cool little adventure so far. Yeah, and I mean, when I was first like starting to look for cool things to do, I wish that Vaga Jobs was there. <laughs> yeah. And it's so cool. It's so cool that it's there now and like it's like being successful because you know <laughs> yeah it's cool it's been cool to watch it's been even cooler to work on and um yeah it's been quite an awesome experience and yeah you should you should go check it out if you're looking for a seasonal job and if you're not you should tell your friends about it <laughs> word word so we're at about an hour and 47 minutes nice you want to keep talking or yeah. uh yeah whatever man i'm i mean i'm just chilling so i don't i don't know if anyone's gonna listen to me talk for an hour and 47 minutes but if you're still with us cool <laughs> <laughs> well i mean the beauty of it is like i have this recorded so i can kind of just go through it and like cut things out if i don't want to oh perfect yeah so I'm sure we'll, sure we will do that, but yeah. Uh, what are you, yeah. what are you gonna have for dinner tonight? Um, I got some salmon fillets, kind of cooking. I think I might just do like a potato though. But yeah, nice. And you know, anyway, like, what are your long term goals for like, like your life? Like, I don't know. I was thinking about this. With my friend Jaden, um, I don't know if you've met Jaden, but you know about Jaden. Yeah, I've never met her, but yeah, we were like, "What do you want to do, like future, future?" Because like both of us live like sort of in the past and in the present. I mostly live in the present and like have ideas about the future. Um, do you have like future ideas that you're like really thinking on or anything like that? I mean, in terms of, I mean, scaling and growing the company is my number one, uh, my number one priority right now. It's just, yeah, building this company, running it and getting people into the seasonal lifestyle, um, and just keep traveling, keep living this nomadic, uh, van experience. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be starting my own podcast here soon with a, a mutual friend of ours and that's going to be a cool little new thing for me and um yeah just keep running the website doing the podcast and keep traveling trying really just try to survive winter right now but 
yeah, no, I, I plan to visit every continent, plan to visit every country, do that whole thing. Uh, the goal is to just work fully, uh, fully remotely around the world. If I could really figure out a full-time awesome income on through the internet, that's my goal. And, uh, I'm not going to stop until, until it happens. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's awesome. Like, I think my like future, like super goal is like go to as many countries as I possibly can. Like I want to hit like a hundred at least. Hell yeah. And, you know, I, I'm at like 16 or something now, but yeah, I just want to be able to hit every culture and like experience how like the world lives exactly you know because because it's so much different than like how we are in the states like yeah dude you know the way to learn is to travel if you can put yourself in other cultures and experience other ways of life you not only learn more about other people and how the world works but you learn way more about yourself and uh, how you work and how you operate. <clears throat> and I think that's important. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, 100%. Like, I think the biggest takeaway I've gotten from like international travel is like how different people operate. Like, and also like how privileged we are to be in the United States. Uh, oh my God, dude. Like, yeah. the, quality, the quality of life everywhere else is like quite not this way i know we have like all of our huge um things that divide us but like like go to egypt like rural rural egypt like yeah no none of those problems exist you know yeah well i guess different problems exist over there but yeah dude, it's it's cool yeah, traveling's awesome. I'll never stop. And I think I took uh, most of my 20s. Uh, I turned 30 in March. <clears throat> I think I took my 20s to really explore the U.S. and see all the different cultures that we have here and different ways of life and different views and thinking. But uh, I think the goal of my 30s is to uh, go abroad now and uh See what I can see in this world. You should. You should. Thanks. Yeah, I'm stoked. Uh, I love. Yeah, I mean, I love the Middle East, but at this point, not looking like a good place to go. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan is safe, but. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd probably I'm gonna hold off on the Middle East for right now, but I'd love to get there, and yeah, I really wanna. Asia is my, like, I want to go all through that. The Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, Laos, Cambodia. I want to, like, really get deep into that area. Do some scuba diving everywhere. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you you still got your patty, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, did, uh, I got recertified on Kotao. Yeah, Kotao, Thailand. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, dude. 
I, I wish. I just, I like don't do very good underwater. Like my nose doesn't like hold water easily. So it's hard for me. But dude, yeah, no. they uh, <clears throat> well, the cool part is they they made this thing called a mask, and it goes over your nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty pretty killer piece of gear. <laughs> All right, dude. Almost two hours. Yeah, man. Do you want to talk about something else? I'm good if you are, man. Yeah. Was that good? Is that good? Did we do good? Dude, of course it was. What do you mean? Cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, Dude, love you, buddy, so much. Yo, love you too, homie. Appreciate you having me on and uh, appreciate anyone who's listening. And Yeah, go check out faggotjobs.com. Uh, add me on Instagram at dillventures, D-Y-L ventures, and at vagajobs for the social medias. <laughs> Love you, Dylan. Cool. Love you too, Jay. You. you. Thank you guys for listening to another wild episode of the Roots Away podcast. Me and Dylan get into so many like wild adventures together, and uh, I'm just so happy that I get to share our experiences with you guys. Like, uh, and I hope like everybody that's listening gets to experience half of what we have experienced in our lives. We're so lucky to have had this amazing life, and. <laughs> We love it so much, and it's going to continue forever until we die. For sure. (laughs) Okay, thanks, guys. Roots away. Jason Ringenberg with Dylan Mora. Love you guys. Love yourself. You! (laughs) Haha, another one.